Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star for this week in our Hebrews series. We're continuing what we started last week in Hebrews chapter 11. So I'm going to let you get a little head start. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. If you've got your app, you can pull out North Star Church, Georgia. Uh, if you need to go to the app store, you can download that app. It's free. And uh, get there with the notes. You can watch on the screens. Make sure today is something. You've got a pen, pen thumbs to type with because today is one of those days that we all need in our lives we we uh, we don't see what's coming sometimes and we need these type things that we're going to talk about today to be our groundings for what's to come as you turn there uh, I love North Star Church so we celebrated 22 years back in January as a church but I'm just going to tell you Friday night at night to shine. How many of y'all were volunteering or here Friday night for night to shine? There were over 300 volunteers. There were over a thousand people here on campus. When I watched cars roll up and I watched those young men and women, the heroes of the night, get out of their cars, come down the red carpet, I have never been more proud of our church than I was on Friday night because, because it was a taste of what heaven's going to look like. It was a taste where people are celebrated for who they are, and they're celebrated for their heart. And if you're a volunteer here, you, everybody who volunteers at Night to Shine always signs up for the next year because you leave the night more blessed than the kids. They dance. Some of our volunteers dance with them. There's a reason Baptists shouldn't dance, and the reason is I saw some of you, all right? And so you should not do that. So people give me a hard time, why don't you dance? I'm like, there's things about me you don't need to know, all right? And so that's what I'm, because I can't. But it was an amazing night. Would y'all give the Lord a hand for what he did here Friday night? Courtney Miller, her team, our staff team. It was an amazing, amazing, amazing night. I know Casey did a great job. We were out in Colorado uh, getting ready to speak. I was doing a marriage conference out in Colorado last week. And uh, I know Brian Beloy and his wife Amy did a phenomenal job at our marriage retreat. And then Casey kicked off this little faith piece that we're going to talk about today. You know, if I were to go around this room with a microphone and I were to say, tell me what you think faith is, Literally in a room like this in Compass or walking around True North or walking around just any group of people and I were to put a microphone out and say, tell me what you think faith is, I would hear lots of answers. I would hear a lot of thoughts on what faith is. Well, I grew up and I always heard faith was this or I believe faith was this or I'm thinking faith is when. So let's get a common working thought of what faith is. Casey kicked us off of this last week, so you got a pen or pencil to write something down. I want you to say this. Biblical faith, biblical faith, not faith in, in, in the Falcons or faith in the Braves are going to have a 2019, not, not that kind of faith. I'm talking about biblical faith. I want you to write this down. It's trusting God enough to do what he says. Biblical faith is always trusting God enough to do what he says. It's not just trusting God. Biblical faith is when I trust God enough, when he taps me on the shoulder, I do what he says. So today as we talk about this, let's just get a disclaimer out here at the top. I'm not talking about um, 
well, I'm thinking about going to do this or going. We're talking about those times in our lives when God taps us on the shoulder and we have an option. Do I respond or do I not respond? That, that's what we're talking about today. We're not talking about, well, I've got faith that today I should play the lottery when I go. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about biblical faith, meaning there are going to be seasons in every believer's life that God is going to tap you on the shoulder and you have an option. Am I going to do what he says for me to do or am I not going to do what he says for me to do? And it all begins at the moment of salvation. So all of us begin this spiritual journey together with a step of going, okay, God, I don't see you. I, I don't I don't, uh, I, I didn't get some special revelation from heaven, but I think I'm going to turn my life over to Jesus. That is the first step of faith, and then the rest of your journey is a step of faith. So for some of you in this room today, you've never made that first step. You've never come to that place in your life where you've begun this spiritual journey with the Lord but it begins at salvation. It begins in turning your life over to someone. I, listen, I have never, Jesus physically has never appeared in my house, right? He's never appeared there. There were times when my kids were growing up, they almost met him. But he has never physically, that's happened in your house too, right? But he's never physically appeared in my house. So what I've done is a faith thing. I'm putting my life into the hands of someone that I'm trusting is there, right? I mean, that's faith. That's what we're talking about today. Faith is this ability to trust God enough to do what he says. So Hebrews 11 is the story of all these people that trusted God enough to do what he said, right? We, we had Abraham, is God we're going to talk about a little bit in Hebrews 11. God, Abraham was a rich guy. God said, I'm going to do something great with you, Abraham. I'm going to make your children, your descendants, more numerous than the stars. And Abraham walked in faith, and he followed what God had. He left behind everything. It cost him more than he got. That's what Abraham did. We know that Abraham was, gosh, he was old, 99 years old, when he finally had a child. <laughs> That's scary. All right, and so, but, but Abraham had faith that what God said he was going to do. Moses, Moses' mom who protected him in the basket, David, Enoch. You go through these great characters. They were all people who not only heard God. Everybody look at me. They heard God, but when they heard him, they did what he said. And everything that God asked them to do stretched them. All right, so I want you to write this little thought down that we're going to dive in the passage. Here's the, here's the thought. When God asked me to step out in faith, I want you to write this down. When God asked me to step out in faith, it most likely will not benefit me. All right? When God asked me to step out in faith, it most likely will not benefit me. 
If you go through this Hall of Fame chapter, when, when a Hebrew heard these names back in the day, they all knew the story of Abraham. They all knew the story of Moses. They knew the story of David. They knew the story of Enoch. They knew the story of Samson. They knew the story of Barak. They knew all the, they knew the story of Rahab. They knew all this stuff. They were fully aware of all these people, just like we would with George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, and Rosa Parks, and Martin Luther King, with familiar names in American history who did great things. They knew all these names. All of them, when they stepped out, it was not for their benefit. It was for those that were going to come behind them's benefit. Because here's what we learn about faith. Faith does not always give us now the easy way just doesn't we know that some of these guys that stepped out were stoned to death some of them were persecuted some of them were were uh, pillaged some of them were shipwrecked and they did what God told them to do here's what I'm gonna tell you today before we read this passage God is still in the business God is still in the business of turning the ignition on on our faith our choice is what do we do with it when he does? Would y'all stand with me today? Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to begin reading in verse 1 and read all 40 verses. Just kidding. All right. And so we're going to, we're going to pull out here like, I don't know if I can stand that long. We're going to read a couple verses here. But I want you to get this. All right. The writer says this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith at its core is the assurance of things. What's the next word? Help me out. The assurance of what things? Hope for. We see them off in a distance, but it doesn't mean we're going to get them. It doesn't mean we're going to grab it now. It's almost the picture. I love the picture of an old ancient mariner that was out on the sea. 1608 the telescope was invented can you imagine a guy out at sea a, a guy that's been on a boat for years and you're looking off in the horizon and you see what really is right in front of you but then a guy on your ship has a telescope and they're able to pull it out and see what i cannot see they know what's there's a hope in what's coming because of what they can see faith is like that telescope it gives that ability to see what god showing us for by the people of old received their condemnation their their commendation meaning these people were commended for their faith verse 13 these all of these that he mentions all i think 17 or 19 characters he mentions these all died in faith but here's the part not having received the things promised so what god promised moses moses on this side never got but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged they were strangers and exiles here B big deal everybody look at me every one of these characters knew that this life wasn't all that there is if you are living by faith that this life is it and all of this has got to happen in this life you're going to be sorely disappointed. This life is not all that there is. 
all of these characters understood they are just passing through. And what God has promised isn't just for here, but it really is for what's to come. Verse 16, but as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God has provided something better for us. Would you pray with me? Father, I wish above every head that I look at this morning, I had a, I had a little barometer on a scale of one to 10 where they're at in their faith journey. <clears throat> I know that there's some people in here that are, that are nines and tens. Man, their faith is way past mine. Father, I know also in these rooms this morning, there's some that are they're, they're at the beginning, and that's okay. The question is today, what do we do with what you say? Father, the question of the day is, when you tap us on the shoulder and we go, I think God is drawing my heart. God, the question of the day is, what do we do with it? Do we trust what we see? Father, do we trust what we can't see? Father, we give you this time. God, speak to us, show us, teach us, move us, challenge us. But at the end of it, Father, I pray we respond in obedience to what you tell us to do. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Before you're seated, turn around and wish a couple people around you a happy Valentine's Day, would you? All right, do that real quick. All right. How many of you guys in the room are married? Raise your hand. That was your reminder. All right, here we go. I was just trying to throw it out there, man. I did a marriage conference last week in Denver. It was awesome. We had a great time. But I said, how many of y'all remember when you fell in love with your spouse? And like half the hands went up and I went, okay, this is going to be an interesting marriage conference. All right. And so this is, I think it's a counseling conference, but the whole goal is we all do. So three lessons about faith. What is it out of all these 40 verses? Now, here's what he says. This is pretty crazy. <clears throat> in this in this, what we know as a passage, as we, uh, we know, so here's how Scripture came about. All of this was written down, and then later on, they went and add verses and chapters. So I wouldn't say, hey, we're going to talk about faith today. Turn in your 1,000 pages and find the little section on faith. So that's how we're able to, to, to be able to hone this down. He says this about faith. It's really interesting. He said, without faith... It's impossible to please God. That's interesting. So if my whole goal in my life is set on, I want to please God, well, it all begins with faith. I never make a step towards pleasing God if there's no faith in my life. Faith is the first step of obedience in our Christian journey that opens up all the other things. There is a point we all have to reach of do I believe this to be true or not? That's a point we all have to. I remember I was 14. Some of you were in your 30s. Some of you were in your 60s. 
when you stood there and said, is Jesus really who he said he is? And when I say yes, and I turn my life over to him, that is a step of faith. And that begins the process of faith in our lives. But here's what I'm going to tell you. It's not the end of the process. It's just part of the process. What are three lessons we learn about faith? Ready? Lesson number one. The measure of my faith is personal obedience, not earthly outcomes. One of the things you, you learn in this studying all these characters what God did was not near as important as their willingness to do what God asked them to do it was a, it was a personal step that, that made it here's the word I want you to write this down and bold it highlight it circle it put flowers on it whatever you got to do to remember it. trust God is asking them, do you trust me? God is searching in their hearts and saying, do you trust me? So we go back in the Old Testament, there's a great character that all the Hebrews knew. His name was Moses. We even know who Moses is. There's been movies made about Moses. Moses grew up in royalty. Moses grew up with a silver spoon in his mouth because of his mom's obedience to trust if she put Moses in this basket and put him adrift that this little maidservant, because he was going to be killed, this maidservant. So Moses ends up growing up in the house of the man that was going to kill him. And he was a Hebrew growing up in an Egyptian household. But he always knew what he was supposed to do. And if you walk through Moses' life, his whole story, his whole story is about trying to be obedient to what he felt like God was telling him to do. Even though he didn't feel worthy of the task, God was asking him, Moses, do you trust me? You go on into Moses' story. Moses, I want you to go talk to Pharaoh, and I want you to tell him to let his people go. Well, Moses said, well, I'm not eloquent. I don't speak well. Moses, I'll take care of you. I want you to trust me. Your whole Christian journey is about learning to trust God more and more and more what it's all about look at what hebrews 11 24 through 26 we'll grab this little piece by faith moses when he was grown up refused to be called the son of pharaoh's daughter meaning to claim to be an egyptian even though it was the easier way choosing to be mistreated with the people of god rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin he considered the reproach of christ greater wealth than the treasures of egypt for he was i want you to underline this phrase he was looking ahead to the reward. Here's your point. Moses chose to obey the Lord because of eternal rewards rather than earthly guarantees. If so, let me let me just let you know where you are. Time out, real quick. Um, if you're new here to North Star, you you may have seen some uh, television evangelists that say, well, "If you will give a seat of faith." and you will sow this, then God's going to do this. I don't know if y'all ever heard that before. You may skip religious programming, but that, that has said, sometimes it's sort of a, a name it, claim it, and a blab it, and grab it kind of thing, and, you know, rub God's belly a certain way, and God's going to do all these things. That, that is nowhere to be found in Scripture. Nowhere to be found. Here's what I'm telling you. Moses did the right thing and didn't get what the promise was here, which was the promised land. He never got there. He saw it, but he never got there. 
That stinks. But the question of Moses' faith wasn't, did he make it into the promised land? The question of Moses' faith was, when God asked Moses to go, was Moses obedient to going? Well, Mike, he was not a success because he did not cross over here. In earthly eyes, yes, but in heavenly eyes, he did exactly what God wanted him to do. So are we working for here or are we working for there? And that's a question. That's a question we all have to answer. Why in the world would somebody give on a Sunday when the basket's packed by? Why, passed by? Why would they give 10% of what they make to the Lord? I mean, we don't do an audit. I don't know what you make. I don't even know what you give. But we don't do an audit going, they're not giving 10%. We're going to hold them at the door. All right, we don't do that. It's a step of obedience. It's a step that God taps you on the shoulder and God asks you to do it. And, and we say, okay, God, do I trust you with my finances? Do I trust you with my life? Those are steps of obedience. Next little blank there. Most of us don't need more information about what to do. Instead, we need to obey more of what we already know to do. We don't need more information. The question is, am I going to do what I know I'm supposed to do? Number two. Faith was never meant to eliminate all my problems. Instead, its greater power is found in how it guides me through them. Man, do you know how crowded North Star would be if I was able to say, hey, if you sign up for this faith journey and you start coming to North Star, your life will be free from ever having a problem again. We would pack this place out. We'd pack it out crowded now. Can you imagine what it would be like? I can't make that promise. In fact, what I'll tell you is sometimes your faith is going to create some issues you're going to have to live through. For some of you, doing what God says for you to do is going to push you. You're still going to walk through temptation. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 10. No temptation's ever overtaken you that's not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with temptation will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. James tells us we're going to walk through trials of various kinds. Why? Because God, I want you to write this down on number two, God uses tough times to deepen my faith in him. That I can trust him. Man, if life's always easy, a faith never tested is a faith that can't be trusted. You know, that's why I, I look back at my grandparents and those that went before us, and I'm like, man, what they went through, and their faith was so strong. Well, it had been tested. It had come against the stuff of life. Sometimes doing what God tells you to do, everybody look at me, is the scariest thing you'll ever do. I remember back in 1996, <clears throat> our, um, I knew, so I'd been at a church 91 to 96, and I knew my time was up. I just knew. I mean, you know in your spirit, it's, it's time. I got, I got to make that step. So had some great churches calls, really, really good churches super secure, um, bigger opportunities, great salary. We had our son at the time, Casey, was two, and Mary Michael was on the way in 96, 
And uh, man, it was that it was that point. And we had a great church in Texas, phenomenal church in Texas call. And I remember my dad. I called my dad, and dad said, "Do you feel like that's where you're supposed to go?" I'm like, "No." I don't. He said, well, don't go on the trip then because if you go on the trip and see what they're offering, you're probably going to do it whether you think you should or not. And I was like, but I just know I'm, I'm not supposed to be where I'm at anymore. And this whole thing about planting North Star came up. And I will tell you, it was terrifying and I knew I was supposed to do it. You ever been there before? It didn't make any sense. It, it, on paper, made no sense. So Ike and I begin this journey. We're like, okay, we're in. I'm like, Ike, if you're in, I'm in. He's like, I'm in. And we both jumped in. We're like, both feet in. I've resigned my church. I'm in. So we're like, with two of us, we can do it. Here's what we didn't recognize and realize. Six other guys, six other guys resigned their churches at the same time and said, if y'all are in, we're in. And we're like, we're glad you're in, but we don't know how we're going to pay for you, all right? And so we, we knew we could pay for me and I. And I remember the terrified, terrified, can we really do this? But yet, we knew God was in it. And even if we fail, I think we're doing what we're supposed to do. Let me ask you a question. How many of you would say, Mike, I don't know if I'd be walking with the Lord right now if it weren't for this church. I reconnected my life with God at this church. Would you raise your hand? We didn't see that, but we knew it. And when God taps you on the shoulder, the question is, am I going to be obedient if we had waited till we had all the answers and we had waited till it all made sense and we had waited till it all, because we should have taken eight months to get it going. We did it in November and started in January. And we didn't know what we were doing. We we're just starting. We we're just like, well, we'll just do it. Point number three, ready? God is good no matter what happens. God is good no matter what happens. God has prepared something better for us. He's prepared it. But here's what I'm going to tell you. You may not physically get it here. You may not physically grab it here. But do you trust that what he has to come is exactly what you need? Some of you walking through this life right now and you have faced the greatest adversity you could ever face this side of heaven. Losing a child, losing a loved one. And you keep walking. Why do you do that? because you know that it's not just about here it's about what's to come you know it's not just about here you know it's about where you're going so every eyeball on me I got a question for you today do you trust him not are you getting what you want but do you trust him if you do and if you say Mike, that's me. Step 
all in to what he has for you. I want you to write down this last point. Don't let your circumstances define God's character. Instead, let God's character define your circumstances. Don't let your circumstances define God's character. If God's character was defined by Moses' circumstances, Moses had gone, dude, you forgot me. He never said, dude. God, you forgot me. God, you didn't, you didn't come through like you said you would. You didn't do what you said. You told me that I was going to get them to the promised land, and I spent 40 years wandering in the desert. But when Moses closed his eyes on earth and opened his eyes to what's to come, he found out he had already won. He found out that he already was a winner. Here's my question for you today. What's God speaking to you about doing? Here, here's what I know. That step at North Star was just one of our steps. I would have thought, well, that was the greatest leap Ann and I will ever take. Outside her deciding to marry me, I thought us deciding to do North Star together would be the greatest leap we would ever take. Little did I know, that was just one small, big, but small leap that God has challenged us to do over time. And every time, it deepens our faith. Don't look at your circumstances to find God's reality. Let God's character define your circumstances. And when you do that, it doesn't change the circumstance. Here's what it does change. It changes you in it. Would you pray with me? Father, I know in our rooms today, there's people at all different places. And that's great. It's the way we want it. I know this. You love them too much to let them stay where they're at. While we still have breath in our lungs, you have a step still for us. It all comes down to do I trust you? Do I believe you are who you said you are? Father, I just know that sitting in some of our rooms this morning, watching online this morning, all over the country, are some people that have never began with that step. Maybe today is that day for you. Maybe today is that day where you step from death to life. Can I lead you in a prayer to meet him? It's that first step and the greatest step you'll ever take. It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, would you pray that with me? I need you. I believe you live for me. I believe you died for me. Would you pray that? And I believe you rose again just for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my personal Lord and Savior today.
trust you. Today you prayed that prayer with me. There's a number that just popped up on the screen. Would you text follow with your name to that number? Because we'd love to tell you what, what's next. It's the greatest step you'll ever make. The greatest step you'll ever take. And there's some of you sitting in the sound of my voice this morning and you, and you're walking it, man. As hard times are pressing in, you think, I'm, I feel like I'm doing what God's telling me to do and Mike, life's not clearing up and, and, and Mike, I, 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 don't, I don't see it. I don't, I, what used to be so clear is now unclear. Trust his goodness. Trust his heart, and you can't trace his hand. He's a good, good father. The minute your eyes close here, if you're one of his children, you will receive what was promised. Your obedience is the win, not the outcome. Your obedience is the win. Would you just write where you're seated this morning? Say, Father, deepen my level of trust in you. Deepen my faith in you. God, I want to be who you want me to be. You're a good, good Father. I trust you today. Would you just take a second and talk to him wherever you are?